I, I liken Twitter to a microphone, right? It, it allows particularly these athletes, these teams, these properties to reach the masses uh, with a few keystrokes. And certain players, certain personalities have done really, really, really well. Welcome to the Sports Business Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Berger. You can find the Sports Business Radio Podcast over 14 years, 500 episodes featuring conversations with people like Mark Cuban, David Stern, Jeannie Buss, Charles Barkley, Jack Nicholas, and Kyrie Irving on iTunes or at sportsbusinessradio.com. We're ranked in the top 100 of the business news podcast section on iTunes. Follow us in between podcasts on Twitter at SB Radio. We've been named a top 50 followed by Forbes.com for three consecutive years and on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. My guest is TJ Adeshola. He is the head of U.S. Sports Partnerships for Twitter. You can find him on Twitter at TJ. That's T-J-A-Y. TJ, how are you? Thanks for joining us. I'm well, man. I'm really excited to, to, to hang out with you this morning. What's going on? Well, before we get into the business of Twitter, I got to give you props, man. I saw what you did last week for your mom, and you have set a high bar. For people who don't know the story, and we're going to get the full story in a minute, over the Thanksgiving holiday, you bought your mom a new car, and I loved seeing the pictures and the video of her reaction on Twitter. Give us the story of how that all unfolded. Yeah, so I've started to tell people it's it's a lie. I rented. The car. <laughs> uh, but I'll, I'll tell you, man. So I, I grew up as an only child and a product of a single parent household. So my entire life, I watched this woman work really, really hard. Not for her, but for me. For me to have a really good life and for me to not feel like I was in need or want. So for years, I've seen this woman really just bust her tail to make sure that I had a special life. And I've always known that Mercedes-Benz was like a dream car for her, whether I agree with it or not. So uh, when the opportunity presented itself to to sneak out to Seattle, which is where she lives, to to see her for Thanksgiving, I thought, you know what, I might be able to to knock her socks off if I I surprise her with a car. So went to the dealership, took a few cars out for a spin, and the rest is history, man. It was a it was a pretty special experience. And didn't she think the car was for someone else? She didn't think it was for her, did she? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. So I legitimately parked the car with a big bow tie right in front of her door, and she proceeded to walk by it and say, oh, "You're going to do that for me one time." And I said, "Actually, uh, here are the keys. Here are the keys." So she was shocked. Uh, she she ended up crying shortly shortly thereafter, man. So it was special. It was a really a really cool way to to conclude the holiday week. Now that's so cool, and congratulations on that. I'm sure that meant as much to you as it did to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm hoping that I put enough good vibes out out there for my Georgia Bulldogs to to beat the Alabama Crimson Tide on Saturday. That's really what it's all about, Brian. <laughs> so the karma is going to come back to you, and and Georgia can uh, get it done against the the Crimson Tide, right? Exactly. That's the plan, baby. That's the plan. <laughs> all right, let's dig into some conversation about Twitter. You have been at Twitter for a while, but you recently stepped into the role as the head of U.S. Sports Partnerships. Tell our audience what that entails. Yeah, so I I, I feel like an OG, a bit of a fossil at, at Twitter, man. I've been here 
north of five years, which, as you know, in the tech space uh, can be a long time, whereas I, I have colleagues who I work with and networks who've been there for, for 10 plus years. So it's really an interesting comparison. But I, I, simply put, I've got my dream job, man. I grew up as a sports fanatic, uh, and I watched the NFL and the NBA and, and, and watched a ton of ESPN and March Madness, right? So growing up, I had such a strong affinity for all these properties. So I, I knew that at some point in, in my career, I'd, I'd want a special opportunity to get to work with each of those in a unique capacity. And this is a role. It would, it's crazy to even think about that I get paid for this. Don't tell nobody. But <laughs> I get to work with my favorite sports properties, sports properties that I've been a fan of my entire life. And I get to call them partners, and they call me the same. So it's really cool. It, it doesn't feel like work. I, I'm talking to the NBA about hoops. I'm talking to the NFL about football. I'm talking to Major League Baseball about home runs, man. It's pretty. It's a pretty special experience. And what it means is I get to work with uh, U.S. leagues, teams, networks to help them be really good at Twitter. Uh, each of these teams and each of these, these, these properties have unique objectives and, and, and our objective is really to help them achieve those specific goals that they have in mind, leveraging Twitter as a tool to, to do that. So um, it, 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 it's as full service as, as providing day-to-day -day support of their account, helping them reach as many eyeballs as possible with the content that they publish, and, of course, helping them um, do really cool and innovative things on the, on the organic and on the, the monetization front. I want to get into the specifics of that in a minute, but you just said you're the OG at, at Twitter. You've been there for five years. What are some of the biggest areas of growth that you've witnessed in the five years? So it, it, it's, it's a trip, man, because our, our industry is evolving so rapidly. Uh, when I started, a, a lot of the conversation that we were having with sports partners was specific to video highlights and, and in-progress highlights. So if LeBron has an amazing dunk, uh, let's get that published to Twitter as quickly as possible because we know that that's when the peak of the conversation will exist on the platform. Here we are a few years later and I'm having multi-year uh, discussions with partners about rights. Uh, a few years back, we had Thursday Night Football exclusively uh, on, on Twitter, or I should say on Twitter, simulcast. And we have MLS games, we have MLB games, we have WNBA games, right? So the, the, the industry has evolved in such an amazing and crazy way. Uh, we're working uh, to not only help brands drive distribution of the short-form content, but live games live on Twitter now, too. It's, it's wild. One of my favorite moments was a few years ago during Thursday Night Football, and Rachel Nichols sent a tweet. She was in flight, and she said, guys, I'm in a flight. I'm on Twitter watching Thursday Night Football. What could be better than this? And at that moment, I'm like, damn, I have a pretty cool gig. I have a pretty cool gig. No kidding. Yeah, I've always said Twitter is the virtual campfire that everyone gathers around, and there's great conversation about the biggest moments. But I think when you added the live streaming element like you did with NFL games and like you've done with PGA Tour and, and other things where people can not just gather around that campfire and chat, but they can watch in real time on the platform so they don't have to leave the platform to me, that's like the nirvana of Twitter. 
Brian, do you mind if I steal that that campfire line? I, <laughs> I'll tell you what. I, I typically liken it to uh, a global sports bar, right? You right. Got jer- people, jerseys on, T-shirts, hats. Some people are cheering for one team. Others are cheering for another team. Some people are just are just there to have a drink and to watch the party, right? So you you have. Uh, tons of personalities that coexist within this community. Some have likened it to the cookout, the barbecue. Uh, I really do like that 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 campfire analogy, though. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, take it. It's yours uh, for free. Th- for free, you got it. That's it's my gift to you. It's not quite a Mercedes Benz, but uh, you know, you go ahead and take that. Done. <laughs> so one of the other things that Twitter has done, and and social media has done this, is. Local is gone, right? There's no local anymore. Anyone in the world can listen to our conversation right now once we post this and push it out on, on Twitter. I look at an athlete like Damian Lillard. So I'm in Portland, Oregon. Damian Lillard went to Little Weber State in Utah. He plays up here in the Pacific Northwest, kind of tucked away. And he has deals with Adidas and Powerade. And he's made himself a global brand in large part to how he uses Twitter. Uh, I think it's great that athletes or organizations in general are able to really promote their brand and themselves to a global audience. I'm sure you hear that all the time from athletes. Yeah, that that may be my favorite part of the job. I I liken Twitter to a microphone, right? It, It allows particularly these athletes, these teams, these properties to reach the masses with a few keystrokes. And certain players, certain personalities have done really, really, really well leveraging the microphone. Joel Embiid is is another really, really good example of someone who's just witty, creative, understands the power of the platform. We recently uh, inducted him into the pseudo-NBA Twitter Hall of Fame. I saw that. That was great. Yeah, he's got a he's got a, a hashtag emoji now, and part of the excitement of the job is to identify communities that are doing really well, sports community within the sports community, NBA Twitter, hockey Twitter, NFL Twitter, um, these 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 really engaged fan bases that are inclusive of not only fans but the players, the the journalists like the Rachel Nichols, the Bill Simmons. There's just a really special sports sports family that exists on the platform and and I have the the pleasure of, of reaching back to that family that community and and making sure that they um, they have a platform that they love using the day to day yeah the other example that I have TJ that that really struck home with me is so last year there was the hurricane in Houston and to watch JJ Watt use Twitter to raise millions of dollars for hurricane relief I was like wow again there's no more local. People from all over the world were contributing to that effort because he was able to use that Twitter microphone. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, that's a fantastic example. One of my, my favorite examples uh, was with uh, Andy Dalton, right? Uh, the Bengals won, won their last regular season game, and Buffalo Bills, it, who would have thunk it, snuck into the playoffs based off of an Andy Dalton touchdown pass. And fans in Buffalo started taking to Twitter to donate to Andy Dalton's foundation simply because they were so appreciative and grateful for the fact that his arm got them into the playoffs for for the first time in a really, really long time. Uh, those stories are, are really special only on Twitter moments and 
uh, it's part of what makes the job so fun. So you're the chair of the Blackbirds, and Blackbirds is Twitter's employee resource group that celebrates and encourages diverse perspectives. I think that's fantastic. Uh, I've been inside your headquarters in San Francisco and New York, and I, I love the vibe of your offices and the culture that you guys have set up. But here's my question, TJ. This year, we've seen more and more athletes talk about non-sports issues. And again, they're using that Twitter microphone to do it. How are you guys working with these athletes? Or is it as simple as the platform just exists, they know it's there, and they're using the platform more to speak out on non-sports issues? It's a fantastic question. Uh, it's a little bit of both, right? Uh, part of the, the the importance of what we do is like, we don't like to tamper. If something is doing really well organically or or there's a community that is 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 um, becoming very engaged. Like we we don't want to interrupt or interfere there. So it, it, there are several instances of athletes just doing a fantastic job leveraging this microphone as an opportunity to advocate for social rights or equality. Um, and then there are other instances like LeBron with his I Promise School. They reached out to us and. And we, we said, how can we help? This is an amazing initiative. And uh, we worked with him and his team, and we got them an emoji for a hashtag, I promise. So uh, there are tons of really special examples of, of, of folks using the platform in thoughtful ways. And that those are the kind of instances that make you really excited to wake up in the morning and, and go to, to the office, which is why Blackbirds is, is so core to – to my role at, at Twitter, oftentimes there there is overlap uh, in, in in what I see at the sports spectrum and what I see with with working with with uh, my Blackbirds uh, family and team at at work. So sports is I tell people all the time it's much it's much more than the box score, Brian. At, at this point, it's lifestyle, it's 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 it's, it's equality, it's community, it's culture. It's the juxtaposition of all these really, really impactful and important um, categories, and uh, we we really sit at the forefront of that. So um, we'll we'll look to continue to empower users, athletes, properties to to leverage this microphone to to do good. No, I think it's really cool. And again, uh, I don't know if it was Muhammad Ali dying a few years ago, or just athletes like LeBron and Steph Curry feeling more powerful to to speak out on these issues and Colin Kaepernick, obviously. But um, it just seems like the the voice of Twitter and the voice of these athletes is growing louder and louder. And, you know, I I applaud. I I think I work with athletes all the time and I tell them, you know, 50 percent of the people are going to applaud you and support your effort. 50 percent are going to say shut up and dribble. And you have to have thick skin but I see the brave people out there, even like Steve Kerr, uh, a coach, speaking out on political and non-sports issues. I think it's great, and your platform has given people the opportunity to voice their thoughts, uh, and that didn't exist in the day of Muhammad Ali when he was in his heyday. I'll tell you, it's one of the reasons why we were so bullish on working with the WNBA. That was the first uh, women's professional league that we ever uh, had a, a long a long term deal with. We signed a three year deal with them to live stream uh, WNBA games. One because the WNBA is kick ass. <laughs> Two uh, because basketball Twitter is certainly a thing, and there's a huge fan base that exists around that audience, and it, it can feel under distributed at times. 
Uh, and three, it's just really important for us to, to service that community uh, and to put a stake in the ground and say, like, we're not just here for, for men's sports. Uh, we're here for, for all sports, and, and women's sports are, are equally as important. So that that is that is one that, that, that we will continue to, to, to amplify and continue to work alongside. Uh, another few examples are our Players' Tribune and, and Uninterrupted to your storytelling piece. Guys are really, really, really leaned in on telling stories about their lives, telling stories about the narrative, how they got to where they are. And these two pop- properties specifically have done a fantastic job of helping of helping guys tell those stories. I, I recall the first time I went to Uninterrupted and I saw the sign that said more than just an athlete. I had a moment, man. I'm like, man, this is this is a message. This is a narrative and and uh it's important to tell that story. I know the Players Tribune has a motto that says power to the players. They're empowering these guys to 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 tell a story that it, it spans beyond just how many points they scored at the game or or the previous night and and and, and it actually helps drive impact. I love that man, and that's that's part of the most exciting work that that we get to do. No, that's great, and I specifically work closely with Jamie Messler and the Players Tribune. I do my sports PR summit event there in New York, and uh, you know I really love what they're doing. I know Uninterrupted is doing some great things as well. So let's look broad picture here, TJ. Uh, what are the factors that Twitter? takes into consideration when determining what kind of content to bring to the Twitter platform? My, my, our objective collectively is pretty simple. We want to reach every sports fan and provide them with the optimal sports consumption experience. Uh, and and a, lot, a large part of that is, is a byproduct of the conversation on the platform. We know that certain properties generate tons of conversation on the platform, uh, the NBA obviously being one of them, the NFL being another, Major League Baseball, MLS, soccer in general. Uh, so we want to continue to add fuel to the fire for those properties that already generate a ton of of excitement and, 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 and conversation on the platform. And then I mentioned uh, pro- properties or, or partnerships like the WNBA, right, where the content may be a bit under-distributed, but we know that there is a really hunger hungry audience to consume that content, uh, we want to make sure that we, 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 we get it there. Uh, one of my favorite examples is House of Highlights, which for years has been uh, just a fantastic property that has lived uh, on Instagram. We know that the Gen Z millennial contingent uh, is infatuated with House of Highlights. They've done a fantastic job over there, Omar and the folks at Bleacher Report. So we had a conversation with them. How can we how can we bring this to life in real time? And fast forward to a few weeks ago, and we launched a House of Highlights live show featuring o- Omar and CJ on Twitter. It kicked ass. We've got a few sponsors in there, and uh, it, it really kind of lifts the hood and, and takes you – uh, behind the scenes as to how they determine what highlights they know will go viral, how they pick the tweet copy, what players they choose to highlight, and, and the whole nine. So um, it's really a mixture of, of content that we know generates conversation, content that we feel may be underdistributed, and content that we know uh, aligns with the culture, aligns with what people want to see. Well, then I would think 
I mean, kind of the elephant in the room is the price point, right? So if you put NFL on your platform, that's going to be much more expensive than putting WNBA or PGA Tour or lacrosse or, or something like that. So I would imagine that's part of the, the discussion internally too, right? Because if, if it wasn't, then you could just show everything on the Twitter platform, which I would be perfectly fine with. <laughs> if you're ready to cut the check, Brian, you certainly can have a conversation. You're right. I mean, there are certainly economic considerations to 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 to, to factor as you as we have these conversations in the marketplace. It's been it's been a lot of the fun too. We're having discussions that we haven't been positioned to have in the past. We're all learning. We're learning on the platform side, and our, our sports publishers and partners are learning a ton about the content and the value of. Of their IP as well, so it's um, we're all learning together. But to your point, man, we want to get as much amazing content on the platform as possible and get people really excited to stick around, to tweet, to consume some of the great content that exists on the platform. And the other thing too, I mean, we're talking about some of the longer form content, but just simple highlights. If hey, LeBron just had an incredible dunk over someone, and I love the fact that two minutes later I can scroll through my Twitter timeline and, and I can see the dunk. So you know, kind of the micro highlight of the play that just took place in, in the last few minutes, you can see that in almost real time on Twitter, even if the game isn't being shown live on the platform. What's what's becoming really cool is to no surprise these these leagues and networks they're in sports so by nature they're competitive so a few years ago I'd say that we probably saw um, highlights particularly in progress highlights crank out in about within two to three minutes we're seeing highlights is real time is less than sixty seconds now and and other leagues are taking note of what. Their, their counterparts or colleagues in the space are doing, and they get competitive. They'll ask me, how quick did that highlight get out? How quick is X partner publishing highlight? Okay, let's do better. Let's get these highlights in the, on the platform uh, as live as possible so we can get people really excited about tweeting about it. One of my, my favorite examples is this weekend. There were so many ridiculously amazing touchdown celebrations and the league not only published those things in real time, but they actually created a standalone account called Get Your Popcorn that is specifically intended to showcase really, really awesome touchdown celebrations, which is uh, uh, way different than the conversation we were having with the league a few years ago. No kidding. Uh, it's cool to see all of our our partners evolve. It's it's been it's been fun to watch. Yeah, when I saw that last week, the Get Your Popcorn on Twitter, I was like, oh my gosh, what a shift for the NFL because yeah. they were fining guys for celebrating a few years ago. Now they're promoting it with a designated Twitter handle. They've come a long way. Yeah, I, I'm hoping that my next meeting at the NFL that we start off by doing a group. Touchdown celebration. <laughs> what would Don't be your right. touchdown celebration? Give me, give me a uh, preview of what that would look like. Oh, that's good. It, it would depend on the mood and the day of the week. I think um, I. Ooh, that's a really good one. So wait, I'm you're really playing right. for Georgia. You score the winning touchdown against Alabama this weekend. You're in the end zone. Uh, unfold it for me from there. What's your your celebration? Okay, real quick, is it a TJ celebration or is it a group celebration? Am I getting the team involved? Or no, you're you're going OG solo on this one. I'm uh, 
Oh, man. Nobody's ever asked me this question before, Brian. What would I do if I scored the game-winning touchdown against Alabama in the SEC championship? Uh, I would probably propose to someone in the the arena. That's what I would do. I wouldn't have a ring on me, which would mean that it wouldn't be legally binding or anything like that. I would propose. It's a life-changing moment, so I'd, I'd, I'd want to experience that with somebody else. See, and your mom, who knows what would happen to her, because if you surprised her with a car and a marriage proposal in the span of a few weeks, I don't know if her poor heart could take it. <laughs> that, that's, that's true. She's already asking for, for car seats in the back of a car. For <laughs> no pressure, right? I might as well get started. That's a fantastic question, man. That's really good. That's you better really be thinking good. about that. If you're going to go to the NFL offices, if you're going to meet with these football teams, you got to know what your football, your touchdown celebration is. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a, that's a question that's going to keep me up tonight, man. Okay, well, I want to know. You got to tweet me, uh, your answer when you, when you come up with that. That will be something that our audience listening to this right now, it's a cliffhanger that they're going to, uh. Continue. We're driving appointment viewership, appointment consumption here. Exactly. They're going to want to know. At TJ, T-J-A-Y. All right. Other things on the platform that are growing. Esports, gaming, it is blowing up. You guys are at the forefront of this. Tell me about that and what the future looks like there. Yeah, so we have a a, a gaming lead. Uh, One of of my good friends, his name is Rishi Chada. He's based in Los Angeles. He has a rich and robust history within the the space. Uh, And he has really led some amazing efforts uh, in a really short amount of time. So last year... There were north of a, a couple hundred uh, million tweets about the gaming space at, at large on Twitter. This year, we're already looking at 3x, 4x that. We're going to be north of, of, of 800 to, to a billion tweets about gaming wow. on the platform. And we've, we've been able to forge really strong relationships with, with E3 and Overwatch and the real key players in the space, not to mention the players individually, like a guy like Ninja. Uh, so we've we we're taking it really really seriously. We're seeing that users uh, come to Twitter to talk about amazing things that exist within the gaming space, about highlights, about uh, uh, about different trends in the industry. So we want to continue to equip that that contingent with the content that they want to see. Uh, gaming is is exploding on Twitter, and we expect that to continue. Well, and it's such a sweet spot demo, right? Everyone wants that demo. And if you guys can continue to capture that demo via your platform, that's a big win. Yeah, and I love how broad and expansive it is because you've got Turner and their initiatives with E-League. You've got the NBA 2K. You've got EA Madden NFL. And then you've got the, the, the tried and true stuff like, like Fortnite, like Overwatch and, and League of Legends and so many others. So... Uh, I love how broad it is. I love how comprehensive it is. And there's there are really tons of lanes to play in within that space. So we're going to be really thoughtful about it. And, and 2019 will be a really big year for, for us as we as we as we ramp up our, 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 our efforts and strategy and with all things gaming. Something else I feel like we're just scratching the surface on, and it's not completely legal yet, but sports gambling in the U.S. It's already legal in Europe and places like that, but you can already see the landscape shifting here, whether it's with 
media personalities going to focus on covering sports gambling or leagues like the NBA and NHL setting up partnerships with an entity like MGM Sports. But the reason I think of Twitter, TJ, is I think people who are betting on anything, I don't care if it's NFL and NBA or if it's women's lacrosse, they're going to want to be able to watch what they have money on. And I see Twitter as a platform where maybe for some of the secondary sports that could take place. Have you guys had those internal discussions of when this happens, here's what is going to change for us? Yeah, so it's a really timely question. We have an internal task force uh, that is uh, tasked with doing just that. How are we thinking about gaming? Uh, Excuse me, how are we thinking about uh, sports betting? We understand that that conversation is also massive on the platform, and we know it represents a huge opportunity for us. We have uh, great relationships with folks in the space, specifically a group like uh, the Action Network. So we've got the, uh, the the relationships there. We we just need to be thoughtful about how we intend to move within the space. It represents a massive opportunity and an exciting one for us too. You you spoke about how um, our, our value proposition is very much live in real time. What's more live real time than, than than sports betting, right? You think about props and you think about swings that exist within the game. That all lends itself to, to sports betting. So I think there are some clear synergies there, and and um, I, I'd be lying if I if I if I didn't say there's been outreach on that front. So we've um, we're going to be thoughtful about it, and I think 2019 will uh, will be a year where we we start to think about it a bit more um, a bit more intensely. A few more topics to cover with you before I let you go. I get asked about this all the time, so I'll ask you because I don't have the answer. But people want to know, how do I get a hashtag? How do I get an emoji? I love the fact that, you know, like if you watch Tiger versus Phil last week, it had its own emoji, Tiger versus Phil, or hashtag the match. I would love to be the person at Twitter who sits around in those rooms and you're like, all right, let's think of the hashtag or let's think of the emoji that we're going to attach to this. How does that happen? Man, people, I'll tell you, people are ready to fight over emojis. (laughs) uh, Verification used to be a tough one, but uh, people love some emojis, and it it means that we're doing something right. So uh, I'm going to leave the identity of that person um, um, silent at this point, but it's, it's certainly there are some heated conversations about what merits an emoji and what doesn't merit an emoji at times. So uh, that's a fun one, but we uh, we love that they help fuel the conversation uh, around specific moments. So uh, you'll continue to see emojis, man. We're trying to get that Brian Berger one. Oh, my gosh. I don't think anyone wants to see that. As I always say, I have a face for radio, so let's just uh, let's keep it at that. But uh, I appreciate the uh, the the thought. Um, so that's funny. Is, is there there's like a singular czar of emojis, or is it like a committee? So w- I used to do work for Nike, and they have like this committee of people who name the shoes, who name the meeting rooms on campus, who name the buildings. But it was a committee at Twitter. Is it like one person who is the czar of the emojis and hashtags? Uh, there are, I'd say there are a few, uh, there are a few key stakeholders, but there is, there is a mini czar, uh, that, that does oftentimes say this, this thing needs an emoji. We also have to work really closely with our product and engineering team to make sure that they're to spec and that they, 
that they make sense. So uh, it, it's it's a, it's a team effort. It's a team effort. TJ, thank you so much for joining us on Sports Business Radio. I really appreciate it. Uh, happy holidays, and let's catch up soon. Man, Brian, bring me on another time, man. This was a blast. I could talk to you forever. Thank you. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you, too. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Sports Business Radio is sponsored by Boingo Wireless, the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S. Today's sports fans expect strong, fast mobile connections at their favorite stadiums. Research shows that fans will leave at halftime if they cannot get connected, which is part of the reason why professional and collegiate sports venues alike work with Boingo to manage their wireless networks. As the world's leading connectivity expert, Boingo knows how to make a venue's vision for the connected fan experience a reality. They are the only company that can provide end-to-end wireless service so teams can focus on the big game, not on their network. Boingo designs, installs, and manages Wi-Fi and cellular networks at university stadiums like K-State and the University of Houston and major league venues like Soldier Field, Phillips Arena, and Vivint Smart Home Arena. We're excited to showcase how technology is changing the business of sports, led by companies like Boingo. Boingo connects you to the people and things you love, like sports. For more information, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. All right, we are back to wrap up this edition of Sports Business Radio. Great conversation with TJ Adeshola, really fun guy. I had a chance to meet him in person a few years ago at Twitter headquarters in San Francisco when we did our Sports PR Summit social media workshop. He worked at ESPN previously. He's got a great background. And like he said, he does have a dream job, Greg. That's a pretty good deal to uh, be head of sports for Twitter. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, you and I went to the New York head- headquarters when we were there last time, and it's uh, it's just a cool vibe there. Twitter's very, uh, you know, very Google-ish kind of vibe. Just, you know, relaxed, but still professional. And, uh, yeah, I think he uh, it was a great interview, as you all heard, and uh, big Georgia fan, too. Yeah, big Georgia fan. I would not want to be the czar of the no. <laughs> emojis and hashtags. I think you'd have to go into witness protection. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because you know everyone's going to hit you up for, I need my own emoji, uh, or I need a hashtag for this, or, like, that process has to be kind of a nightmare. Yeah, think of how many requests and things are coming in every day for, I got to have this, I need this, I need this, I got this, I had it first. Ugh, no thanks. So we're verified on Twitter at SB Radio. TJ, again, is at T-J-A-Y. T-J-A-Y. Griggs, uh, a few things before we wrap. One, the big Tiger versus Phil match took place Friday after Thanksgiving. And you know what? The golf wasn't bad. I got the sense at the end that you know it went 22 holes, so it went into overtime. <laughs> I got the sense that they were trying to make each other look good. They didn't want to make it a blowout. They wanted to give people their money's worth. The biggest problem, though, is that you could buy the pay-per-view on the Bleacher Report Live app, and the thing didn't work. I personally paid for it because I wanted to try it. I wanted to watch, and it didn't work. I couldn't see a minute of the match. Uh, I tweeted out the screen you know, it, where it basically said, we can't process your order. Mm-hmm. I guess Bleacher Report Live is going to end up giving back uh, refunds. So, you know, the number I saw is they'll lose at least $10 million on refunds. Hopefully I get a refund. But uh, what a debacle, because for me, that was my first experience using the Bleacher Report Live app to buy a pay-per-view. And if it had been a good experience, I might have been open to doing it again. 
I'll never use it again. And I like people at Bleacher Report and people at Turner, but that was a train wreck. Yeah, and it's too bad because, I mean, there was so much buildup for that. I mean, months and months we've been hearing about right. this, you know, and it's like you, you'd think that that would be tested many times over before it goes live to make sure this doesn't happen. So, I mean, yeah, it's too bad because, uh, like you said, it's, it's a fun event. It's different. It's something new, and Bleacher couldn't, uh, couldn't bring it through. All right. The other thing is, is I am headed to Las Vegas, Greg. December is going to be a fun month. Las Vegas, New York, and I end it in Maui. Um, but turning 5-0 this month oh, in, yeah. in December. So not this month, but coming up and, uh, going to go to Bellagio over the weekend with some, some folks and, uh, see my friends at MGM Sports, watch some sports. But it's always interesting now. Vegas has really developed. It, it used to be a place where, you know, you'd go and you'd play the tables and things like that. But now there's so much to do, whether it's a great restaurant or a yeah. spa or a show. But from a sports perspective, you know, a lot of these sports books have been redone. Um, it's a it's a really cool experience. And I like being able to sit there and obviously watch like 20 TVs at one time. Sure. And, you know, this weekend you've got conference championships in college football. You've got NFL going on. You've got NBA going on. But uh, it's always a, a fun experience being in Las Vegas, and this time of year with lots of sports going on, uh, it'll be fun. Well, and like like you said, Vegas is always fun. Great food, great people watching. But now look at the sports entities. I mean, you got Vegas Knights right. hockey that's doing amazing. Yep. You got Oakland Raiders coming. I right. mean, it's like it's becoming a massive sports market right there in town. So it's yeah. crazy. And, and it is funny because remember, you know, it used to be oh, it's taboo gambling. Right. So right. you couldn't have a pro sports team there. Now, like you just mentioned, NHL and NFL are going to be there. And Griggs, we're breaking down the barrier of. Ooh, gambling, whisper, right. whisper. <laughs> it's going to be legal. Yep. And you're not going to have to just go to a sports book in Nevada or New Jersey to bet. You're going to be able to bet right from your phone. You're going to be able to be degenerate gambler Crazy. if you want, betting on, like I said earlier, women's lacrosse or WNBA right. or you know men's ping pong, <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> there's going to be a bet on it. And these entities are going to be able to capture it with the app. And that's what's going to be truly amazing to watch this go. I think of everything coming up, and we'll talk about this on our year-end show, where the landscape is going with sports gambling is so interesting to me. I see a seismic shift coming. Yeah, I think it's there's so much unknown right now because we're just on the you know the cusp of it. But uh, I think you're right. I think it's going to blow up the whole sports sports world in a good way because it's going to just open up. Like you said, I mean, hey, I'm into ping pong. Boom, I can make money on ping pong. I mean, it's just gonna it's gonna be amazing to see where it goes a year from now, five years from now, ten years from now. All right, Thanksgiving recap quickly. Uh, I know the green bean casserole, a big thing for you. You talked about it on our show yes. last week. Did it live up to the <laughs> expectations? Here's the deal. My sister was in charge of it, and she's a big onion straw girl. Right. So she does a double layer of the Ooh. crispy on top. Okay. So I'm totally game. I mean, that's I'm sold right there. Who cares about the green beans? Give me the onion straws. But it was amazing. And I texted you. We had that at, at our Thanksgiving yes. dinner, and I, I texted you the the shot of the green <laughs> bean casserole, since that's the star of the show. It's the star for me. Yeah, turkey was good. Yeah, always good for me too. Uh, tri- you know, turkey tri- didn't kick in as much as I thought it would. So that was good this year. We had a deep fried turkey on Thanksgiving. My Ooh, brother-in-law did, so that wow. was a new one I tried. Not terribly different than a normal turkey to me, but uh, something a little different to try. So that was fun. All right, coming up on the show next week, Matt Higgins. He is a shark on ABC's Shark Tank. He's one of the co-owners of the Miami Dolphins. 
He works with RSE Ventures. We met him, Griggs, when we were in Miami tailgating in the parking pizza. lot with his uh, pizza company. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, interesting guy. He's worked for the city of New York. He was there during 9-11. Fascinating background. He's scheduled to join us on the podcast next week. The week after, I will be in New York at our road show presented by Boingo at the Players' Tribune. I'll sit down with XFL Commissioner Oliver Luck, whose son is Andrew. He also worked for the NCAA. Griggs, they're on the cusp of naming the cities that will have XFL teams. So by the time we sit down, we'll have that information in front of us and we'll be able to discuss the markets that have XFL teams. And then our last show of the year, the week of uh, December 17th, it's our Sports Business Radio Top 10 Sports Business Stories of the Year. If you have a story that you think needs to be included on the list, at us, SB Radio on Twitter, and uh, we will include your story if it's worthy of being in the top 10. We have our crack staff that works <laughs> tirelessly for oh, yeah. hours, weeks. <laughs> Building this list yes. of top 10, and Griggs, you and I will reveal it, that podcast, the week of uh, December 17th. It's always a fun show because, like we've talked about before, you go back through a year and you realize how much stuff has happened in a year just in sports business and sports you know, headlines and stories. So it's always fun putting it together and uh, seeing how we end up the uh, 2018. And last but not least, the burger household is officially decorated for Christmas. Mm-hmm. We live in Oregon, so we went to a U-cut. We cut our tree down. Our house smells so delicious and, and fragrant. That's the benefit of living in Oregon is yeah. we ship trees around the country. Well, the best ones are here, and you know I can cut a tree down, and 10 minutes later, it's in a stand in my living room, and it smells really good, and we've got the lights up in Griggs. As I know you're going to do in this edition and the December editions of Sports Business Radio, it's the coast is clear on playing holiday music. Yeah, now. that's right. We are officially in the holidays. See, I can't do. We in our household, we have a thing where Thanksgiving morning is when we can finally listen to Christmas music and movies. Oh, so, so you're we the, hold out. You're the the Grinch. Yeah. On we that. hold out all the way till Thanksgiving morning. And then it's insane. That's all we do. Christmas movies are on the whole time. The background music's playing. Yeah, we're getting our tree this Saturday. So yeah, I'm. We're all full full in right now. Okay, favorite Christmas movie? Go. Hmm. I gotta go. Christmas Vacation. That's a good one. Yeah, but there's so many good ones. I have two. They're very different. One is It's a Wonderful Life. Yep, I it's just tradition. That. Love it. Love it. Two, I got to go Elf. Oh, yeah. I, I love Elf. <laughs> and the fact that we watched that last year before we went to New York. Yeah, that's cool. And then went to Central Park and, and saw. Yeah. Where Snowball fight. Was, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's great. All right. And then here's the other one. Yeah. I need your top three Christmas albums. Ooh. Because okay. our listeners need that information as they. Prepare their uh, holiday tunes. First vinyl I ever had when, as a kid was Amy Grant's Tennessee Christmas. Ooh, all right. So that's that's nostalgic. I go back to when I was you know okay. six years old. So that's my number one probably. Um, let's see. I love the crooners. So anything Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin. Not a specific album, but yep. anything you know Christmas w- with the crooners. I'm in for. And then let's see. What's another a third one? Fill, fill me in on yours as I'm thinking of my third All right, one. here's my top three. Number one, Frank Sinatra, Christmas. And most of the songs that you hear now, you know, on the radio are Frank Sinatra Christmas yeah. songs. Great, great old school. Even if you're a young kid out there, go yeah. get Frank Sinatra Christmas. Download it from iTunes. Yep. Number two, our friends from 
Pentatonics. Oh yeah, yes, yes. Pentatonics. We got the the album last year. Yes, and it's fantastic. They are good. It's probably my daughter Sophia's favorite. And then number three, it's a classic, but it's held up well. Mariah Carey. Oh yeah, her, her Christmas album I think is the number one selling Christmas right. album of all time, and it's held up well all mm-hmm. these years. You can. You know, again, be a youngster from this generation. My daughter loves it. But so I'm going Frank Sinatra, Pentatonics, Mariah Carey. Those are three that you should add to your Christmas playlist this holiday season. My third would be Trans-Siberian Orchestra, their first Christmas one. Yeah. I think it's something like In the Attic or something like that. But yeah, that's probably my third one. Uh, And talking about Elf, that soundtrack's phenomenal. Yeah. Great (laughs) classics on there. So that's always a good one, too. It is. So, okay. So recap, movies. (laughs) It's a Wonderful Life, Elf, and Christmas Vacation. Yeah. Uh, God, the end of Christmas Vacation is just... (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. Home Alone's good, too, because you got the... Yeah. And the New York one's good, because you know Uh, the whole area and all that stuff. So it's fun. Yeah. And I've been in Chicago Airport, where Home Alone... (laughs) Like, I've literally (laughs) gone by those banners in the terminal. Exactly. And then we've been in New York, and, you know, you were dressed like a homeless person, so you couldn't get into the hotel... The Paradise Cheese Pizza. Compliments <laughs> of the <laughs> Plaza Plaza Hotel. All right. So as you can tell, we're pretty excited about the uh, upcoming holiday season. We've got a great month of December lined up for you. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our sports business radio roadshow. Follow them online at boingo.com or on Twitter at Boingo. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast. Go to iTunes. Type in Sports Business Radio rated in the top 50 business news podcasts. You can also find our show on Audio Boom via the TuneIn Radio and Stitcher apps and, of course, at sportsbusinessradio.com. Follow me on Twitter in between shows at SB Radio. Follow us on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. Our troubles will be miles away. Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Bringing you the biggest names in sports business. Without further ado, we all know this gentleman. Let's give David Stern a big round of applause. Let's welcome the president of the NCAA, Mark Emmert. Give him a hand. Let's give a big hand to USC alum and co-owner of the Lakers and president of the Lakers, Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. Thank you so, so much for having me, Brian. It was very, very kind, and I really enjoyed it. Thank you, sir. Sir Charles, how are you? I'm doing good, man. How you doing this morning? Today's guest is Memphis Grizzlies head coach David Fisdale. You're the man, Barrett. My guest is tennis icon Chris Everett. It was very interesting. You asked great questions, so thank you very much, Brian. Pleased to welcome to the show... Kyrie Irving, the number one pick in the 2011 NBA draft. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm happy to be joined by Pete Carroll, the executive VP of football operations and the head football coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Coach, how are you? Doing good. What's going on? Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio.